This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer in Durham, the pre-power hour is upon us. We got Lonnie Alameda coming up here in about 15 minutes. ACC men's golf champion Jerry Haas running the show for the Demon Deeks, part of the sweep by the Swiss. First it was Kim Llewellyn with the ladies. Now Jerry and the boys go down there and they bring home hardware. So you got champions galore coming up here in the non-power hour as we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. Number for the show is 844 say ACCN, Mr. Durham. Uh, we have the draft tonight. And while we're talking about first round and top 10 a moment ago, there's always that guy that gets picked in the NFL draft. Day three now, rounds four through seven, where he ultimately makes a team, probably a Pro Bowl. Who knows? Maybe he's a multi-Super Bowl champion. And he's labeled a sleeper or a steal. Right. But I'm telling you, sometimes they're first round picks that can be labeled the same thing as a steal, not a sleeper, but a steal. Um, so we put we put our heads together here, Packer, me, everybody involved in the program. And we went looking for ACC players that might have been a sleeper or a steal. And we come away with a pretty interesting list. In fact, We've come away with some pro football Hall of Famers from ACC schools who were selected in the fourth round or later of the NFL draft. And, and they're like some notable guys here. How about Sonny Jurgensen? How about Billy Shaw, Georgia Tech, who was the first AFL player exclusively to be inducted into the pro football Hall of Fame pack? What about Johnny U of Louisville, whose first NFL team he got cut from? Unbelievable. How many beers do you think Art Donovan drank in the green room waiting around in the 22nd round of the NFL draft? I'm not sure there was a green room, no, but there a lot. wasn't. There wasn't. But anybody that knows uh, remembers Art Donovan from any of his appearances, like on the old David Letterman show, where he would just come out and tell old stories about how it used to be. And I just sit there and I see that the 22nd round. I bet old Art Donovan. Man, hanging around for the phone to ring, assuming there were phones back then. Uh, can you imagine? I mean, you always like to make fun of how long a college baseball game goes. How about if you were handling oh. the uh, voice of the Falcons as we head to the 22nd round of the NFL draft? That that would have your name written all over it there, Wes. That would be perfecto hey. for you. Let me ask you this. Of all the people, have you? did you ever meet Art Donovan? No, and I wanted to uh, because oh. every time I saw him on television or in any kind of interview, I literally would have tears uh, on my cheeks just dripping because I'd be laughing so hard. And he just seemed like a, a regular blue-collar guy that just, hey, let's go have fun, drink a couple pops, hang out with the boys, and cause some mm -hmm. trouble. He, he was an old-school yeah. dude, man. He was never met him but you always wanted to. It's, it's amazing. You and I have cross-referenced guys like that a lot in our conversations we've had for shows and things like that. I never met him either, but I know some people that have, and they tell me it's, it's better in person than it was on television. And I'm like, oh, how man. do you get through the night? Oh, I know. How do you get through the night? There's never been a time that I have seen him interviewed on television 
that I didn't laugh out loud and with your sides hurting. Where yeah. and he wasn't he was one of those guys that wasn't trying to be funny. He just was naturally mm-hmm. funny. The way he told his story and his yeah. timing and impeccable timing uh in his stories from you know of yesteryear of always getting into some kind of trouble or having something to too much to drink perhaps. I mean he was just a classic man, one of the all timers. Yeah. And uh, and and rightly deserved to be a, a pro football Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. By the way, there's some other players from current ACC schools who likely could be on the way to the Hall of Fame, uh, who also fall into this category uh, of uh, you know, third, fourth round, but they then became great stars in the league. Cam Chancellor of Virginia Tech packs one you identified. That's a fifth round guy, four time right. Pro Bowler, Super Bowl. He was champ. a terrific safety oh. for Frank Beamer, Super oh. Bowl champ. This guy. Cam Chancellor is one of these guys. I'm telling you, he's got a shot at Canton, Ohio. He was a monster on the field. Yeah, I, you know, when we decided to put this list together, there were two or three, actually three guys that just popped off the page to me. And I loved watching Chancellor at Virginia Tech. I loved him when he was a Seahawk. He was a grown man. And, boy, he would hit you into next week. And you watched him as a pro you saw him at Virginia Tech. You're like, dude, how's he a fifth round pick? Somebody dead asleep at the wheel with Cam yep. Chancellor. Again, it's easy to play the hindsight game. I understand that, but man, I loved him at Virginia Tech, and he was a grown man on Sundays. He was a player, man. Awesome. Next time we have Roddy Jones on, you need to ask him about Cam Chancellor. Oh, back. we've we've had that conversation before, and, and you know, you knew exactly <laughs> where he was on the football field, man. And I, you know. <laughs> If you come zipping across the middle, I got news for you. Head on swivel with Cam Chancellor. He was a beast. Yeah. Just the discussion sent Roddy to the next room this morning if he's watching the show. The minute we said Cam Chancellor, Roddy went to the kitchen. Got Um, hives. Yeah, got that cold, clammy feeling. No doubt. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson's got a new address in the NFL. He's now in Denver with the Broncos, but – don't forget, this was a third-round quarterback that's been an eight-time Pro Bowler right. and Super Bowl champion, yeah. and certainly a guy who has had Hall of Fame credentials with still plenty more in the tank. And tell you what, I think he uh, he may have found the perfect spot to go in Denver. Young football team, coach who wants to throw it and put it in the air, uh, and Nathaniel Hackett. It's going to be interesting to watch Russell Wilson and his new address this year. But this is a this is a steal, a sleeper, if you will, third-round guy. I mean, they took a lot of football players taking snaps ahead of Russell Wilson in those drafts. No doubt. You know, it's funny. I had a chance to interview him recently, about two months ago, and I told him uh, on the old days when I had the FNZ and had the Southern Fried Football Tour, we went down to Columbia, South Carolina for NC State, South Carolina. Russell Wilson's first game as a quarterback at NC State. Mm. And Wes, I really thought he was decapitated in that game. He got hit so hard and was laid out at midfield. And I told him this story, and he goes, oh, I remember it. I really thought he was dead. I really did. I thought he just got absolutely decapitated. I was like, oh, my gosh, I just watched the man die on the football field. And the place got incredibly quiet. They came out. It took forever to get him off the field. And you're thinking, oh, that poor freshman. And it, what, he, you know, I'm not sure he's made out to be in playing on this game. And here he goes. Obviously, great career at NC State, transferred to Wisconsin, uh, with all that stuff, and goes on to the NFL, Super Bowl champion, eight-time Pro Bowler, uh, just a remarkable talent. And, again, a third-round pick. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. A lot of guys kicking themselves on that mm. pick. 
Well, uh, Pittsburgh fans, we didn't forget about you. As Packers often said, you got one of the really great college football traditions. And for that reason, you send a lot of terrific players to the National Football League. And Curtis Martin falls in that category because that was a third-round pick who is the fourth all-time leading rusher in NFL history and a Hall of Famer for sure. Curtis Martin was a heck of a player in the National Football League, and he was really good at Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pitt, you know, I keep telling you, you go through the tradition of Pitt football and look at the names, uh, it'll blow you away. If, you, if you're not, like, totally on top yep. of what Pitt football is all about, you'll be like, wow, they've had so many great players there, and they have, mm. and he was one of them. Tremendous player. Yep. Uh, also on the list, Pack, you mentioned this one. The draft used to be a lot of rounds. We joked about Art Donovan being 22nd round. Well, back in the days of double-figure rounds, the San Francisco 49ers took a 10th-round selection out of Clemson named Dwight Clark, who was yeah. a hybrid. He was way before his time in a lot of ways, but he was a tight end slash wide receiver. What he was was a ball catcher back. He was a great athlete. I put him on the list uh, just because a hey, 10th-round pick uh, went on to just an incredible career. Uh, again, we lost him way too early. Let me rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, was just an amazing athlete. And how he was even found uh, to be drafted is an amazing story. He was just hanging around Clemson, and <laughs> they needed somebody to throw the ball around. With Jerry Butler and all these other guys, they, they were going to go pick, and Steve Fuller and all these guys. And they called him up and said, hey, you still in town? Yeah, well, come on over. We're just going to get some guys working out. And next thing you know, the Niners said, well, who's this guy catching the ball? He ended up drafting him. Yeah. The rest is history with the catch. Sorry, Cowboy fans. Uh, but Dwight Clark, without question, is on this list as one of the all-time great sleepers. Did you see the end of the highlight reel there a moment ago from the old Gator Bowl against Ohio State when he goes over to the sideline and your man puts his arm around him? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, youngster people, uh, good, good, good catch, uh, D- Dwight uh, people, people. <laughs> Danny's the greatest. Love him. <laughs> Uh, good catch, here it is. youngster. Look, going back. Good catch, youngster. Uh, uh, I don't know who that uh, number got. What number is that guy right there? Uh, you know, throw, throw it to that uh, guy right there. Uh, we're just run, let's just run the football. <laughs> let's run the football. We ain't going to throw the football. Just run the football. Danny Ford. Love him. We got to go. We got to take a break. Uh, don't forget the huddle draft special looks at the ACC players taken and the breakdown of what to expect from each of their new team. It'll all go down Saturday night following the draft right here on ACC Network and streaming live on the ESPN app. And by the way, those fellas will be with us later in the show. Special Packer and Durham appearance by Cornette and the boys. When we come back off to Tallahassee, we told you it's a huge non-conference softball series awaiting Lonnie Almeida and the Seminoles. We will talk to one of our favorites on this program next on ACCN. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Wes, we're heading down to beautiful Tallahassee, Florida. Lonnie Alameda joins us. They got a big series coming up with OK State. And uh, oh, there's Lonnie out on the back porch. Life is good. Coach, good morning. How are you? Yep. Good morning. It's a beautiful morning. Watching some golfers get after their swings this morning. It's beautiful. Uh, you haven't been uh, giving them any business, have you? You haven't been uh, chirping like you normally down that third baseline or something, are you? Huh? Giving them a hard time <laughs> in their backswing? 
No, no. They're out here doing every now and then when they dip one in the pool, maybe. But no, no, no. It's all good. All right. Well, just Whoa, remember, hey, remember, hey. use your neighbor's name. Make sure they know it's not coming from the Alameda house. Make sure you know how to you do that. Hey, let me ask you a question. You buy a house on a golf course. Are you right there in the in the slice range? Are you the uh, are you the house that falls in slice territory? Am I the one dumping balls in your backyard? Yes, yes, it, it happens every now and then. Um, you know, but you know, it gives you a chance to talk to someone as they go by. Yep, your golf ball's right here. Would you like it? <laughs> it well, gives you a chance. <laughs> you need to uh, you need to have like a tip bucket out there and just put some white stakes there, and it's ob for a dollar. They can get their ball back. You, you know, it'd be a nice supplemental income. That would be good fundraising, wouldn't it? It happens a lot. And and by the way, speaking of, all the money you raise can go to a great charity, which kind of ties into what's going on tonight down in Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah. Paint it pink. uh, Raising some money for TMH. And um, gosh, you know, so much going on in the world today. And we get a play sport. And it's just so fun to bring awareness to things at time and the relationships we have with people. And um you know the fight everyone's in a fight for for something at some point you know and you just want to help family members and caregivers and nurses and um the people that are going through chemo or um you know it's just so much in life so um, we're just so lucky in sport and have the platform and so yes it's going to be an amazing day Lonnie I want to ask you how did this series come about? And great, look, I'm not going to back off that. It's great to have this on national TV tonight on ESPN2, and you had the Clemson game last Thursday night on ESPN2 as well. But Oklahoma State and Florida State playing in late April, how did that happen? Yeah, you know, we've always been um, pretty good at aggressive scheduling. Uh, Travis Wilson, um assistant coach, you know, we get after a pretty decent schedule all season long. So I think for mm-hmm. honestly, the ACC in the beginning, you know, we were, we were trying to figure out how in the ACC we can get some good RPI games and, um, you know, out of conference. Well, now we're getting them in conference, which is so great. You know, the ACC just really taken off and we're so proud of all that part of it. But um, having these off weekends in our conference, we wanted to be able to play some people out of region um, in our schedule. So we've played Arizona. Um, we've done, you know, Oregon. Um, we'll go to Oklahoma State next year. We're still talking Arizona, Oregon, some teams. We tried Texas uh, the year before when COVID hit. So it's just a really good out-of-region RPI-scheduled games and uh, that postseason feel. I mean, Oklahoma State last year, you know, for those many that saw, you know, midnight to one in the morning, um, got a chance in the World Series to play them. They're just a, a great ball club, and uh, it's going to be a, a really good opportunity for us to get that postseason feel. So it's great. Lonnie, I'd also think, too, just the grind of the league. I mean, we just talked about the fact you got three ACC teams in the top 10, five in the top 20. It's a tough, long season, and you're seeing really good competition. It probably is kind of refreshing, if you will, to see some fresh meat from somebody else, not to mention the quality of Oklahoma State. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, your kids, the team, the fan base, the coaches, like you get excited about playing these games. And I don't even know in the ACC, just, you know, because we don't get to play everyone. Like, this is the first time we played Clemson, and they've been in the league for a couple years now. So um, just the level of competition, the level of pitching you're facing, uh, the level of athleticism, it, it's just so much fun. So you train all year long for opportunities like this, and when you get them every weekend, it's just it's just really awesome challenge. And so, you know, you, you get pumped up and hyped to play these games, and your fan base wants to see these kinds of games. So. Um, so yeah, I, I just think the excitement part of in conference, out of conference now is legit ball clubs and, uh, yeah, pretty excited for it. 
All right, I want to I want to go back to last weekend, and I know coaches want to look forward and don't want to talk about what happened. But you and John squaring off last week that number one y'all's particular pass together and now building programs that had to be a terrific. It looked like number one a terrific environment for all three games, but at the same time too fun to see that kind of series begin. Um, you mentioned you hadn't played Clemson; they'd been in existence a couple of years. We know COVID racked one of them last year we didn't get it to the tournament what was it like aftermath of that was it i mean you're coaching and i'm sure you coached against friends before and people you worked with but in the end do you sense that being a thing going forward just because of the the trajectory his program's been on the first couple of years yeah definitely i mean you know John gave me such a great opportunity at stanford um i mean i think together we we definitely grew that program but um, knowing him, I mean, you get to know the coaches you're with uh, like family, you know, and um, I know what kind of person he is. I know what kind of program he runs. So knowing from the inside, obviously from the outside, you can see how competitive they are and how good softball they are. But from the inside, he loves his kids. Um, the coaching staff loves their kids. They want to grow their kids. They, they treat them as people. And, uh, you know, I firsthand have seen that and witnessed that. So um, so I definitely know that time in and time out, you know, we're going to have a good ball game against Clemson and they're going to represent the ACC at a high level. And, uh, you know, I, I can vouch for that because I spent 10 years with him and I know that. Lonnie, I want to get back <laughs> to, to this series. Um, and this may be a bizarre question, but, it, you know, you've seen Oklahoma. They're great. Oklahoma State's top 10, obviously really talented. What you've established in Florida State, spectacular. Three ACC teams in the top 10, we noted. Is there a style of play in the Big 12 that's different than the ACC, or is that just totally individual teams that make that up? Um, I think it's individual teams. You know, I think that uh, the one thing, just style of play in general for, for softball right now is, you know, you get a lot of arms. Um, you know, it's not just one pitcher anymore. You're getting after two or three pitchers. Um, they have a kid that transferred in there, Miranda Ellis, that's a, pretty good arm um you know we're hoping we get a chance to see her maxwell's got after it um you know they, they just have some some really good um kids that swing it they can run they're coached well so uh i think across the board you're seeing that in softball in general um you know i think the the thing about oklahoma state is their experience right now um you know and that's the one thing is when you get into conferences which we're so excited about in the acc is you get to regionals and super regionals, you get a chance to be at the World Series, the experience starts to play on the field. And it becomes, you know, first pitch through the seventh inning, like eighth inning, whatever it might be. I mean, you're getting after it because those kids know that, you know, that every chance they have to swing the bat or pitch the ball or defend it, they're going to get after it. So that's Oklahoma State. They're not going to lay down. We're not going to lay down. It's going to be a great two-game series. All right. So you mentioned the league. And obviously you've seen Virginia Tech. You've now seen Clemson you kind of know where the power of this league is going to be. Uh, I'm going to ask you, as, as the head coach of the most successful program of the last decade, at least in the ACC, to, to, to prospect the NCAA for me. Because Pac cool. just said this a couple segments ago. How many teams do you think right now, and I'll let you, your, your team being one of them for sure, how many can we potentially get to Oklahoma City? Who to get to the World Series? Um, you know, it sounds, gosh, it sounds so easy to get there, and it's not. It's a hard road. Um, I think Vatek <laughs> for sure has a chance. They've got they've got two good pitchers. They swing the bat. They're they're gritty. You know, they're gritty. So 
Um, I think we have three, you know, teams that, that can definitely get there, if not four. I, I really – Clemson's got some good pitching. They swing the bat too. The experience side of it, though, is the big part, you know. And it's so easy to say it's just a softball game, you know. Hey, it's just another game in Supers. It's just another three-game series, you know, getting to Supers and winning that and then going to the World Series. So, um, you know, but the experience of being in that and going to that next level – Vautech was a couple outs away beating UCLA, so I 100% know that they, they know that feeling and they're hungry, and you can see that in the way they play. They're, they're hungry and they, they want that next level. So, um, you know, I feel really good putting my mark on that, that team as we go forward. But um, the competition we've had week in and week out in the ACC is definitely preparing teams. Um, they just got to know that, you know, they're just playing that level softball all the time, although all of a sudden you feel this, like, pressure when you get to postseason. But, you know, it's just another game, so... Um, but yeah, I, I would be pretty excited to see a couple more flags flown in the ACC when they get to Oklahoma City. By the way, Lonnie, I noticed that uh, the greenskeepers got the uh, lawnmower cranked up out there. What, what, what's going? Is that the neighbor? <laughs> or is that the golf course? No, that's the golf course. Also, they just rode right in here. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sorry. Uh, hey, you, you got to keep the greens nice, though, right? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, uh, uh, the fact that you haven't heckled the greens mower out there is really disappointing. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm sensing you're it just kind of keeping it even keel till the competition gets cranked up later tonight. That's what you're doing, right? Because yeah. otherwise, yeah. you'd be barking. Yeah. You'd be barking at that guy. <laughs> hey, you yeah. know, Pac, I think the real. I think the real issue here is Lonnie hasn't seen where the greenskeeper is punching the hole for today's play. If he punches the hole in the ridge, then she's going to yell at him. Yeah. That, that back left corner's placement's difficult there on the difficult par four fifth hole of whatever golf course Lonnie's hanging out at. So that's the deal. Hey, listen, congratulations on the event tonight, too. Uh, I mean, I know that means a lot. And giving back to community is always important. We hear it all the time with it be Unity Week with the student athletes. The schools do a great job, yep. and you got a great series to do it on top of it. So it's a win-win proposition for everybody. Yep, it sure is. And you know, again, I think we're so grateful in in sport. I don't care what sport we play or what opportunity we have. The platform to share a smile with so many people that are going through so much is, is just incredible. So, you know, uh, we, we're just really grateful that TMH and, and softball and Florida State have this relationship. Um, we get a chance to to mingle with so many people over there that um, share their stories with us, and um, it's just inspiring and uh, very strong, great people over there. So we're excited to, to share and, and support them today. Very cool. All right. Good luck, Lonnie. Great to see you. Thanks, as always. You guys are the best. Thank you. Have a great morning. You too. Okay. You too. Take well. Um, Lonnie Alameda does a phenomenal job at Florida State. Always uh, kind with her time for us. When we continue... Uh, more championships in Winston-Salem. My goodness. Kim Llewellyn and the women captured the championship two weeks ago. And then last week at the Shark's Tooth, Wake Forest became the men's ACC golf champion. We will talk to the great Jerry Haas next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Let's go to the Twin Cities, shall we? Uh, and for the 19th time last week, uh, the ACC Golf Championship went to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, and Jerry Haas joins us from Winston this morning. Coach, good morning. How are we? Uh, doing fantastic. How are you? We're super. Um, so Shark's Tooth, new venue, same attitude, huh? Heck of a fight with you and Georgia Tech in the, uh, in the finals of match play the other day. 
Well, it's pretty fitting that it went uh, extra holes, had uh, each team won a match. And um, I told somebody, if you would have told me we had Alex Fitzpatrick bringing in the anchor and uh, Michael Brennan um, one down with two to go, start of the week, I would have taken that. And um, Michael birdied 17 and 18. Um, and going back from that, he birdied eight and nine to uh, win it or, or to get us into match play. And then Alex um, played a beautiful 18th hole, played a nice first hole, hit a beautiful iron on number two, the 20th hole, and then played a, hit a beautiful drive and a three iron just through the green. And um, I think the Georgia Tech guy might have had a little mud on his ball. And it shot left, went in the hazard, and he made six. And uh, Alex had about a foot and a half putt for birdie and uh, was conceded. And uh, just like that, uh, ACC champs. Jerry, um, for somebody that grew up in Winston-Salem and knew Lost Jesse Haddock, uh, legendary coach, and what Wake Forest golf has meant and through all the tradition and history and so forth, what was it like bringing that trophy back home where it has been a while? And I know we discussed that with you last year, but that had to be a great feeling, walking in the Haddock Center again and going, guess what, we're bringing the hardware back where it belongs. Um. I have no idea what you said. <laughs> I can't hear what you okay. said, but uh, <laughs> okay, it's um, it's Jerry, been a can long you hear time me? coming. I think it was probably something about that. It's uh, um, Michael Brennan here um, rolling in a putt to uh, beat North Carolina in the semis, and um, at the end of the day, you know, there's a uh, not a ton that you can do as a coach in golf once the action starts. So um, a little bit more behind the scenes and um, being that good um, motivator, I guess, or the good speaker or calm them or get them fired up or whatever you need to do. And uh, I kind of said we're kind of like the land of the misfit toys, this group I've got. They're, uh, they're wide <laughs> open and they're, they're fun to be around and um, they're very, very talented. And um, it just shows how hard it is to win. I mean, we've been pretty good here the last five or six years since – Will Zalatoris and Cameron Young arrived, and uh, our teams have been solid. And um, Georgia Tech's been great. Florida State's been good. North Carolina's been good. Um, uh, NC State. I mean, just go on and on and on. And we'll have uh, probably 10 teams get into the regionals out of 12. So um, that just shows what a good golf conference is. And I'm a huge golf fan. Uh, my uncle Bob Golby was a great player and my brother Jay um, probably saw this past weekend right. made his 592nd cut and 68 years old um, oldest guy to make a cut on the PGA Tour and all that but um, I, I like being in the action I have a passion for golf I'm watching good golf um, I've said many times nobody can block your shot you know nobody can tackle you <laughs> at the top of your swing and if somebody plays better than you or they hit better shots then um, that's just the way it is, and uh, it, uh, it, it's nice to have both trophies back here. Coach Kim Llewellyn's done a great job, and um, uh, I, I was walking out there with a, a very nice, peaceful feeling walking with Alex about the last five or six holes. Looked like we were going to win, then all of a sudden Michael was four up and then went one down, and then all of a sudden <laughs> he flips that match, and um, now it looks like we might win, and then it went to a playoff, and... Uh, I told him behind the green, act like you've been here before. Don't go too crazy. And uh, uh, 
we've got we've got a regionals coming up and got to get through there. But if we get back to the finals, yeah, I feel like we have the goods this year to uh, to be a team that can get to match play. And um, thing about match play, you don't have to play great; you just have to win your point. Doesn't matter sometimes what you shoot. Um, you just got to beat that guy head to head and win your point and um, race to three. And uh, check one was getting to match play. Check two was getting three points against North Carolina and then uh, fortunate enough to get three against Georgia Tech. Mark? Yeah, I was, you know, I was going to ask you, and I think you almost kind of worked backwards Can't to get the us. answer. Can you not hear us? Yes or no? Can you hear us, Jerry? No. Nope. Okay. Oh, can't hear us. Oh. Okay. All right, let's see All if right. you can read um, lips. Let's see if you can read lips. I mean, if you can read putts, <laughs> let's see if you can read lips. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I tell it's you pretty what. fitting. I said we, uh, use, we use Mark there. We're going to see if we, we can. That we can't win or we're not going to win. Gonna, we're so, gonna... <laughs> uh, bullet, bulletin board fodder, thanks. I like hang it. Hang on. Hang on a second. Uh, we'll see if we okay. can get uh, We'll see if we can get these audio issues ironed out because He's right. It's a it's a phenomenal concept. We talked about this with Bruce Hepler last week. The two days of stroke play, you're just trying to get to the final four to play the match play. And he's talking about falling behind, and then you have to rebound to win and get to the extra holes, which they did on Sunday at uh, at Sharks 2. Pac, that's the heavy lift now. Holy smokes. I mean, you get to that part of this deal, and that's where stuff I – mean, people that watch Ryder Cups, President's Cups, whatever – amateur event, match play event you want to talk about, that's where stuff gets tight now. The ability to hit the shot with that kind of pressure, that's that's some fortitude right there. Well, as Coach said, in fact, it was, I know you weren't here, but when we were doing our best of the weekend, I put down Michael Brennan mm-hmm. making birdie birdie to get Wake Forest even into a semifinal conversation. And he had to go. He had to make putts, and he did. And the rest is yeah. history. The Deeks get into the match play. And again, stroke play, match play are very different but as Coach said, when you get in a match play, man, you could go hit it all over the yard, but you go make 11 birdies, brother, you're going to go win the match. You can go shoot 80, but you make seven birdies, you're in business. So let me get Coach back here because yeah. we heard that the tail and I hopefully can hear us now. But, Jerry, you mentioned that uh, my great predictions were a little fodder for the team. I- I'm glad that I was able to at least help Wake Forest get the victory there. Well, I appreciate that very much. Uh <laughs> It, um, it's been a long time. I told a couple of people, man, how do I still have a job? But uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm a good, um, uh, I think my best quality is I feel like I'm a good visionary of each kid that I coach or watch play. And I kind of, um, there's not a cookie cutter way to play this game. If you look through the history of golf, there's been so many different body types and different swings and uh, it's just you in the golf course many times. And I kind of have a, a feeling or a feel for each player about, you know, little things he needs to work on to make himself a better player. And uh, one of the words we use a lot is just be competitive, just compete and get in there and play. And um, when I've been around these top teams I, I, and I look at our team, I'm like, we're every bit as good as those, as good as those guys. So, um, in the match or in the stroke play, North Carolina was 30 some under the last two years. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I looked on that Saturday round, I think they made six birdies or 16 birdies in an eagle, and we made 21 birdies in an eagle. However, we make a lot more bogeys. So um, in match play, that's not a bad thing. Make a, make a ton of birdies. Doesn't matter if you have a bad hole or two, and just keep making some birdies. 
Jerry, I asked uh, Georgia Drummy, who is a member of Duke's women's tennis team, this question uh, a moment ago, and I, I think it's applicable. I asked her yesterday, in fact, after winning the ACC women's event, how do you parlay the momentum to, to this next week when you find out where you're going to go for regionals? Because I know that comes up on Monday. How do you parlay the momentum? I mean, doing taking the championship and balancing it forward. This is always a really tricky time for, uh, for golf teams, in my opinion, because you finish the ACC in the mid- April 25th, and then you find out May whatever, and then you don't play till the 16th of May. So uh, they're finishing exams. I've had a couple kids. I don't know if they've slept since we've been back. They've been pulling all-nighters to try to make up their school that they missed, and uh, and now they're going to go to maybe a U.S. Open local qualifying in there and get through exams are coming up. So it's a, it's a tricky time, and then you kind of regroup, um, hope they refresh and regroup back uh, when it's time to head to regionals. But the thing is, you know, some teams it's, it's where you get sent. You, you play all year, and uh, then you get sent to a course maybe that doesn't fit your team or – uh, you get sent to a different type of grass and all that. But uh, as a team and as a coach and coaching staff, Coach Aaron O'Callaghan and I, we've got to you know, make sure that we can prepare them. And you get one practice round. You get one day to kind of look at the course and figure it out and then make a game plan, so to speak, and, uh, mm-hmm. and then hope that each kid follows it. Uh, they're always, obviously always nervous. They're you know, apprehensive, they're scared, they're, they're excited, they're all those things. And uh, the key is to get off to a good start. You know, once you start getting off to a good start and you look like you're, you're in control and you keep moving yourself away from that, the cut line, if you will, uh, then they free it up a little bit and start playing. So um, it's always in my 25 years of doing this, this is the, probably the trickiest time. And uh, we've won regionals before and then we've played very poorly at regionals. So um, believe me, I've thought about this already. You know, great momentum. <laughs> we can do this. You know, we've got a nice team, but how do we, how do we keep that right. going? And uh, I just feel like if we can get back to Arizona, the guys have all played it, and they'll know what to expect. I think you'll uh, see a really good Wake Forest golf team out there. Jerry, it's actually very simple. You want me to help you out here? I, I, yeah, I what can, do I need to do? Oh, no, you don't need to do anything. All, all you need me to do is go, Wake's got no chance to win the regional. And just play it for your guys and go kick everybody's <laughs> rear end and go, hey, Pat, can you do it for me one more time when we get to the Nationals? Wake Forest got no chance to win the National Championship in golf. And then you can buy me a beer when you go ahead and win that whole thing. How about that? Oh, I'll buy you more than a beer, baby. We're going to dinner. We'll have several. <laughs> well, again, congrats. Hey, but I'm not going to ask you one more question, though. We've been asking all the coaches this. What's the walk-up music for Jerry Haas to get you fired up on game day? Huh? There's oh, got to be a song. You know, a song, I, the last one I listened to on the car riding over here this morning was uh, Friends of Distinction, Grazing in the Grass. Grazing in the Grass is a blast. Can you dig it? <laughs> all right. Let me tell you something. I, oh, dig wow. It, dig it. When we when oh, we bring it. you back after you guys win the regional, that's what we're playing is your walk up music for the there for the go. show. Does that work? That's a deal. Done. That's a deal. Congratulations. All right. Great to see you, Jerry. Best wishes ahead to Wake Forest, and uh, boy, what a terrific golf spring for the Deacons. Whew. When we come back, we visit with the Huddle guys on the draft tonight in Vegas. 
and the first round and kind of what they're looking for. We'll hear from Jordan and the fellas next. And Packer and Durham continue in a moment on the Atlantic Coast Conference Television Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a beautiful Thursday morning. Very quiet here in the basement this morning, but we're going to still be okay. Technical issues, no problem. We got that covered too. Good having Jerry Haas on the program. Forever lonely. Forever, Forever lonely. lonely. That's exactly right. Yeah. Me and myself down yeah, there. There you go. go. But uh, congrats to the Wake Forest Golf <laughs> Program. Both the men and the women bringing home ACC mm-hmm. titles. Very, very impressive. First round of the NFL draft tonight, 8 o'clock. You can see it across the platforms on ESPN. A lot of choices there, by the way, for you. Uh, live from Las Vegas. Uh, we've got our own coverage here concerning the ACC. Jordan Cornette and Eric McLean, EJ Manuel, and Mark Rick help us out here with some of their thoughts on maybe sleepers, guys to keep an eye on as the draft begins tonight and follows through Saturday. This, forget those draft prospects that figure to hear their name called come later on today and throughout the weekend. That's a dream realized. But guys, we've made it too. When have we ever been asked to be a part of Packer and Durham for their show as a collective group with a huddle? So dreams coming true all weekend long here, boys. Uh, let's talk about this draft. We expect to have five first-rounders potentially come out of the ACC, but there's still a ton of talent outside of that first round. Coaches, you try to find value in some big names that will have an impact at the next level after round one. What's a name that comes to mind for you? Well, I don't know how big of a name this is going to be, but Nick Skiba. All right, this guy owns the NCAA record for field goals, 34 straight at least. He hit 90% of his uh, kicks, his field goals. And why am I saying Nick Skiba? Because kickers have ruined my career over the years. I was in I was at Florida State during all the wide rights. Just think of all the wide rights were right down the middle. We didn't want two or three more national championships. And my career at Georgia ended up kind of quick because a guy named Harrison Butker at Georgia Tech kicks a 57-yard field goal as the clock runs out to put a game into overtime when we get our butts beat. <laughs> and by Georgia Tech, that was you're not allowed to get beat by Tech. So that was the beginning of the end for me. So give me a kicker that could stick it through the uprights 90% of the time. Listen, Coach, we were supposed to go back and forth. I'm not talking about a kicker, okay? I'm moving on. I'm going to somebody else. I'm going with Jelani Woods out of Virginia. The big freak of nature tight end. Guys, I've seen him as high as the second round. I've seen him a lot in the third round. He's a dynamic force. And, EJ, you know this better than any of us on this set here. It's all about matchups. It's all about one-on-one. What can I create? What mismatches can I create offensively? Jelani Woods, to me, E, day one, put him out there. Let him go feast. Yeah, no doubt. I think the biggest thing is he's going to have to work on getting off a of press, especially uh, against some safeties that can cover tight ends and things like that. But I want to mention uh, James Mitchell, uh, a player that I think is versatile in any type of passing like game. Uh, again, you could put him in the backfield. Uh, we've seen him been used as an H-back at Virginia Tech a bunch. Uh, just a guy that you want to put the ball in his hands and allow him to do his thing. Now, obviously, he had the injury last season, and so maybe that's why some teams, or at least not teams, but the scouting people haven't been talking about him as much. Uh, but I think there's a ton of value in James Mitchell wherever he does go in the draft. Even if he goes undrafted, he's going to make an NFL roster. I want to go back to Jelani Woods. That guy is a freak of nature. 
A guy that tall that can run that fast, can jump, and has the soft hands that he has. It, he's a guy that was probably a little underused, quite frankly, during his college career. I, I had a guy at Georgia named Leonard Pope. He was about a six foot eight, six foot nine, six foot nine tight end, and he had a great career as well. Guy that tall that can run that fast. <coughs> Uh, me back in the day. Conversation <laughs> for another time. Hey, hold on, hold on. Here's the other part about Jelani Woods. Just want to add, he has to be able to block. That's the other thing with tight ends, and people could talk about catching and running pretty routes and all that, but at the, that level, you got to be able to block the Khalil Max, uh, those big werewolves as defensive ends and linebackers coming off the edge. So if, he's, if he can block, he'll find his way on the field very early. Well, that, uh, he, yeah, you know what? He, he, he's so raw still. You know, he played quarterback. He started as quarterback and then moved to the tight end position. So I think his best ball, honestly, is still ahead of him. Uh, a guy that's going to learn. And I mean, it, at six foot seven, 260, I mean, you've got to be able to block. Just get in the way. You know what I'm saying? Just, just reach those long hands out there, coach, and get them on somebody. Nah, and I think you'll okay. be just fine. I'll tell you what, he <laughs> is big and strong and fast, but. There's another guy that's not quite as big, but he's still big as far as the receiver's concerned. That's Emeka Amezi at NC State. I love the guy. He catches the back shoulder ball tremendously. Any contested catch, he comes down with it, or no one does. He's a great blocker. I mean, in the running game, let's face it, it's hard to get the ball through the line of scrimmage. And if your receiver's not blocking, it's an eight-yard gain. But if your receiver's down there doing his job, it puts that back on a one-on-one with the safety. And if he makes him miss... He's going to the house, so a big, strong, physical receiver like Emeka or Mezzi is a guy that I love to have on my team. Coach, I love him too, man. And you talk about those one-on-one matchups. Where at receiver, if you can be a big guy uh, and that can catch those, you know, one-on-one passes, those back shoulder throws, we all know that the NFL quarterbacks, uh, they love to throw the football like that. Uh, I, I certainly think he's a valuable pick no matter where he does go in the draft as well uh, because also he has time on task. He's been at NC State for a long time, so this guy has the pedigree to move, move forward to the NFL. Guys, I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. And, and when you look at Nolan Turner from Clemson, J.C., we were there. We saw mm-hmm. it up close and personal, the things that he was able to do at Pro Day. Uh, a lot of scouts had him at a 4-3, some in the 4-4s, jumping out of the gym on vertical and the broad jump. And then his tape. I mean, this guy was an All-American his junior year. And the things that he was able to do from the safety position, obviously a very smart uh, a player, a locker room guy, is a sure tackler, had a ton of interceptions his sophomore and junior year. So, Coach, I think that he is truly one of those sleepers, one of those diamonds in the rough, that at the next level he's going to find a great fit, a great home. Well, the safety position at all levels of ball has to be a great communicator back there on the back end. But when you get into the NFL and you get all the shifts and motions and all the checks that they expect you to take care of, you got to have somebody back there that really can understand it and communicate it And I know Nolan's that kind of guy, so he's going to have great value not only from his skill set, but because of his ability to process information and communicate. Yeah, look, I like Nolan as well, but we talk about another defender in ACC, Jeremiah Gimmel. Uh, He may go late in the draft, but I think this is a quality linebacker, somebody that can fall in uh, to any team's 53, not just as a linebacker, but also as a special teams player, uh, could certainly find his way onto a roster as well. Uh, And just coming again from a great pedigree there at North Carolina. Yeah, and if we're going to mention one more defender, I'd love to throw Damari Mathis into there, the corner out of pit. But the biggest takeaway from this little segment here, guys, is Nick Skiba needs to go first round. Draft him, you cowards. 
put Nick Skiba <laughs> in the first round. That's Coach Mark Rick, Eric McLean, EJ Manuel. I'm Jordan Cornett. And guys, dreams realized. Pac West, thanks for having us on your show. I mean, we made it, guys. We've made it. Yeah. Tell you what, if a uh, NFL general manager picks Skiba tonight, uh, I have breaking news yeah. for you. That dude's fired. Uh, that that is not going to happen. We like old Nick Skiba, but uh, that's not. I know, Coach. I understood where he was coming from—the heartbreak of a little wide right, whatever the case may be. But uh, you're not going to see that happen in the first round. Would love to see it, but I don't think that's happening. Yeah, I I don't think Skiba's going tonight. I I will also caution this this conversation. At some point, okay, every NFL team practically packed, not always by rule. But most NFL teams, more than not, an NFL team will have a college free agent that they do not draft, who they sign after the draft, make their first roster of the season. They're 53 that begins the year. They will absolutely have college free agents that make practice squad. And practice squad's not a bad way to go to get your start in the league. But I'll say this, when EJ mentioned Jeremiah Gimmel at the back end, Eric talked about Nolan Turner, and I think Nolan Turner has a has a third day chance to get drafted. But guys who get into the seventh round and they haven't been picked, there is always some hesitation of do I really want to be picked or do I just want to wait and take the best CFA deal on the street after the draft is over. There is some strong logic to that principle, and it proves out every year when the fifty three is announced. So even though your favorite ACC player or team or what have you may not find a guy tonight, may not find a certain guy being taken over the weekend, don't worry. I promise you his career is not over. There are plenty of CFAs that ultimately end up making 53-man teams when the season starts for sure. You're exactly so right. Keep that in mind as we move forward. Uh, big power hour coming up. Nothing but winners. Nothing but winners. And we start with another champion for Clemson. This one was the medalist last week at the ACC Men's Golf Championship. Second time Jacob Bridgman's been with us, I believe. Right, Pac? That is correct. Yep. And he kicks off the Power Hour next on ACC Network. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.